Hello, this is Real Estate Insights, the podcast from Savills that puts all the top property stories and trends under the microscope. And today we're looking at one of the dominant trends of the last few years, the rise of logistics. And we'll be asking whether this is a bubble about to burst or a lasting structural shift. The number one concern occupiers have is the lack of available buildings and how difficult it is to get planning permission. It is almost better that in a hot market like we are now to slightly overpay for the best of assets than to buy the secondary one. I think there could be a big shift just away from the sheer number of delivery vans driving through the streets of London to more of the Amazon Go type pickup centres. I'm Guy Ruddle and I'm joined by three people, all of whom I imagine are revelling in the rise of logistics. Marcus Deminkvitz is no stranger to Real Estate Insights, although I'm not sure he'd been promoted to Head of Industrial and Logistics for Savills in EMEA when we last spoke. Is that, is that a new promotion, Marcus? It is relatively new, thank you. Yeah, well, congratulations and welcome back to the podcast. Uh, it definitely isn't Kevin Moffitt's first rodeo either. As Head of Industrial Logistics Research for Amir, he's been a regular on the podcast. Nice to see you again, Kevin. Nice to be back. Thanks for having me. And Elena Yorgulescu is Assistant Fund Manager at Tritex Eurobox, a specialist investor in the European logistics sector. Uh, Elena, welcome to the podcast. Happy to join you. So we're going to be answering that bubble or structural change question through the prism of the Pan-European Logistics Property Census 2021, which is uh, Kevin's baby, if you like. And Kevin, this is the first time this has been done on a pan-European basis. And it's been done in conjunction with Tritax, Elena's uh, organisation, and it's been done by Analytica. So let's start by by putting the let's start by putting the, the whole market, if you like, into some sort of context, and then we'll get onto the details of the research. Marcus, if we could start with you, everybody knows that it's a, a, a fantastic time for the logistics sector. How good is it? Um, I think you've got to split it into two: um, the structural growth and the change that we'll come on to talk about is one of the most amazing stories which started probably 10-15 years ago in the US it really took hold in the UK you know getting on for 10 years ago and now we're starting to see that flow through onto the continent now that's not going anywhere and we believe that is still you know another 10-15 years in the making um, before we really kind of reach any level of maturity. And that is driven, as we know, by the change in consumer spending habits and a shift towards online, which creates more demand for warehouse space. Obviously, investors have looked to capitalise on that, and that's not new either. I think what's happened, though, is because of COVID, two things. A, the e-commerce play has grown stronger. We've seen a bounce in the amount of we're shopping online, and that's obviously moved back to the physical store as lockdowns have retrenched, but it's still higher than it would have been on a normal growth trajectory. But also, there's a lot of money in the world, and it's clear that world banks and the rest are going to spend their way out of this recession. And that money needs a home. And if you look at the real estate sector alone, suddenly, 50% of it, the office market, 
isn't a particularly tr- attractive place to invest at the moment. Hospitality is down. Retail was already down. So the spotlight has really been placed on logistics like never before. I think that, and it'd be interesting to hear Alina's views here, that's putting more of kind of the bubble chatter into the frame because we have seen prices rise pretty rapidly as a result of that weight of capital. The one thing we want to be careful on, though, is it doesn't detract from the structural growth that we're seeing in the market and we expect to last for a long time. Yeah, so Alina, let, let's come on to that because you know what Marcus is saying is, is there are two things here. There's there's real reasons for more investment in this market, uh, uh, but a lot of people doing it, and yet uh, on top of that, everybody wanting to shift into it anyway. Does that make it a really attractive market for you, or a market with you know with dangers for you? I will not say it is easy getting into the market right now and securing the right product. It's definitely very competitive out there, but there are strategies around. And we have our success recipe, having relationship with developers early on, partnering developers, so being earlier in the cycle to make sure we get the product we want. So it is very competitive. But on the, on the same time, we're happy it is competitive and the demand is so strong and that there are barriers to entry because that gives us more confidence that our assets will perform on the long term. Yeah, because you, you, there's a danger, right, that you end up in a situation where you just you're paying too much for for assets. Correct. We ha- we ha- there is something we're saying internally in in our fund, almost like an investment philosophy. It is almost better that in a hot market like we are now to slightly overpay for the best of assets than to buy the secondary one where you're not gonna get the long term return and where the risk is not correctly priced at this moment yeah and um, we'll come back to that and we'll talk more about that uh, uh, in a few minutes kevin uh, on the research because you know this is the sort of the reason we're talking about this today this first time you've done this as a pan-european piece of research just uh, if you can what are the highlights of uh, of what you well first of all tell me who you talked to uh, and what they said i guess yeah, so this is the first time we've done this piece as a as a pan-European study. Um, it was a big survey over the summer months. We had over 400 responses to our survey and it was it was a census of the entire industry. So we asked agents, developers, landlords, um, uh, other investors and crucially occupiers um, all of their views on what's going on in logistics at the moment. Crucially, around a quarter of the respondents were occupiers. So the the actual companies operating in these warehouse facilities. A couple of things really stand out for me. Um, Over 90% of the occupiers are in expansion mode. Um, The question was, you know, are you going to take more warehouse space over the next two years? And and almost 90% of the respondents said yes, they were. What's really interesting is where they said they were going to take that space. So some standout countries, France, Germany, Italy, Spain, into the Nordics, into Benelux as well. So what that shows to me is that, you know, we should expect much higher take-up levels over the next couple of years. Another standout stat from the research was that actually the number one concern occupiers have is the lack of available buildings and the, and how difficult it is to get planning permission or permitting to bring forward new facilities. So what that shows to me is you've got this mix of characteristics where demand is, is sky high, but supply is structurally low. And that causes its own problems for the 
healthy functioning of the market. Everybody would want, I imagine, a healthy functioning market, you know, but if, if the market becomes properly dislocated is, is there a way, is there a danger that actually it sort of doesn't completely fall apart but the normal way of operating ceases to to, to work yeah i mean i think that it <laughs> this question opens a bit of a kind of worms because ultimately then you start talking about how the whole industry um behaves and the relationships between logistics and you know other stakeholders not least local authorities and municipalities across Europe who ultimately are just going to have to release more land for warehousing which they've never been so inclined to do i think for us just acting in the market today you know from an investment point of view it all points to rental growth uh, and that's really again a big part of what is driving pricing and that's what we've we've kind of seen already in uk and parts of europe and we expect to continue but i think that within all of this there's going to be some big changes afoot as we go through around how we run our supply chains but every conclusion we draw whichever way you look at it we're just going to need more warehouse space and that kind of basic fundamental of the market is kind of where we think the long-term growth is going to come from and alina are you sort of banking on rental growth because you know you're i mean there's talk about yields of sort of three percent which is sort of you know i mean they've never i I can't imagine they've ever been that low are they so we are definitely starting to see rental growth a lot has so in europe in the last few years everyone sat and wait for rental growth to show up so everyone was seeing it in the u.s from seven eight percent per annum i think in the u.s they're about 10% per annum this year, definitely seen in the UK, but not much on the continent. So, but we are now starting to see it. We're seeing it in our portfolio. Um, As actually, as we discussed, my my colleague is signing um, a list term at 11% above ERV. And in terms of the 3% being a level we haven't seen before, it, it all comes of what it's special about logistics real estate. So if if you're buying a core asset and if we just ignore the sector, you should be expecting your cash flow to go down because you have to factor it in increasing interest rates and you have have to factor in capex. Well, if you're in logistics, you're not going to have much capex. It's just the way the the building is. And if you're going to have a tight supply, uh, supply, you're definitely going to see rental growth. So if there there is one sector where 3% still makes sense and is defendable, I would say, is logistics. And are you assuming that the problems that Kevin and Marcus are talking about, planning and, and things like that, are you assuming that they are going to get fixed or they aren't going to get fixed? They're not going to get fixed because it's all about political pressure and people just don't want big warehouse across their residential neighborhood. They don't want the pollution. They don't want the noise. So it's all the political pressure and there's more pressure around the environmental side. So that's not going to change. What could change is more brownfield land might become available, brownfield sites. So former electrical power plants, but these take longer to zone, plan, longer to decontaminate. So it, it it will only increase the lead time of projects, so the time it takes to get the project off the ground. So we don't see the barriers of supply diminishing in any way. I fundamentally agree 
with all of this. Um, you know, the vacancy rate for Europe now stands at around four and a half percent. Um, it's come down uh, by about a hundred basis points in twelve months. Um, we we have an issue at the moment with the availability of construction materials, steel, timber, concrete, cladding for warehousing is all in really short supply. So I know it's a cliche, um, but but at the moment we literally cannot build warehouses fast enough. So the, the, the obvious question is, you know, where to choose to invest geographically and what type of, type of asset? And it seems like you could invest anywhere. It's not quite anywhere. Um, we usually take the a population density map. We're, we're pretty much agnostic about the, the geographies. It can be Germany, Netherlands, Belgium, Czech Republic. As long as we take the population density map and we say a dense populated area, that's the spot for us and as close as possible to that densely populated areas, because that's where occupiers need to be. I think I was reading an interesting stat from UPS in the US that for every mile they save on on their van, that equates in 50 million worth of savings for their company per annum. Yes. So it's all about getting the occupier as close as possible to the consumers. What we're also beginning to see is a real rise in demand from companies which we call 3PLs. They're companies like Eddie Stobart, Wincanton, logistics service companies. And the amount of warehouse space they're taking on a year-by-year basis has been increasing steadily for the last uh, six or seven years. And we think that's going to continue in part because of all of the barriers to free trade there now are. Um, And if you can't speed up some of the externalities, i.e. how quickly you can get goods through borders, we have a lack of HGV drivers, the natural supply chain response is to hold more inventory. If you're holding more inventory, you need more warehouses. And a 3PL is a third-party logistics Correct. supplier. So somebody doing all the logistics for other companies, right? Yeah, exactly. So given everything we've talked about, where does this whole market, the whole, the whole operation go next? What, what, what's the sort of the next phase of it all? I mean, when we started this and when we spoke two years ago, Guy, you'll remember that we were making a big push at the time around omni-channel retail and the relationship between the shop and the warehouse when it comes to that kind of last touch point with the consumer. Um, we probably were a bit early in that. And that actually might be something for the next you know, two to five years. I mean, I think that ultimately, we know, now know that consumers like to buy their goods online. It's just then questioning exactly what that supply chain looks like at the consumer end. And I think there could be a big shift just away from the sheer number of delivery vans driving through the streets of London to more of the Amazon Go type pickup um, centres. That what, what that doesn't remove from the equation, though, is this the need still for that last mile warehouse whether it's going to people's homes or, or stores. But the stores then will have a little bit more storage within them. So I think there's just going to be an evolution of the sector and people will become a bit smarter because, as Alina and Kevin have said, there is going to be a, a, a limit to the amount of warehouse space we can build, particularly in urban locations. So we're going to have to repurpose other, other types of property. 
From the perspective of an occupier who needs more space and cannot get space quickly, Marcus pointed out correctly that we they can look at reusing different type of spaces, but also storing up. So maybe we'll see taller buildings. We have in our portfolio a building in Barcelona that's 40 meters high. And that might lead to a different question. Will we see rents being charged differently instead of on a per square meter basis, as we are now, just on the down floor? Will we have volumetric on cubic meters? So. I'm a, a big believer that in the fullness of time, now this could be 5, 10, even 15 years, I think in Europe we will see multi-storey warehousing in a similar fashion to how we see, uh, you know, five, six, seven, eight-storey warehouses in Japan, Hong Kong and so on. Now... Um at this stage of proceedings, we would traditionally, on Real Estate Insights, we'd do a thing called stat, the Savile Standout Stat, but we're, we're, we're evolving. We're moving on from the Savile Standout Stat, and we're, we're changing that feature to something new, and, it's, and we're calling it Tell Me Something I Don't Know. It's the same concept, basically. It doesn't have to be a stat anymore, but just a little nugget of information, a little thought uh, that we haven't said yet, and that just sort of uh, something that maybe that you know that you think people, other people don't know. Um, why don't we start the first ever Tell Me Something I Don't Know with a non-Savills person. Lena, tell me something I don't know. Artificial intelligence in supply chains. If occupiers start using more artificial intelligence technology in predicting the demand, um, managing their inventories, managing the um, visualizing how a product gets from raw product to the end consumer, that will make a substantial difference. And we have already seen Amazon, who with their AI algorithms, they're able to predict demand for millions of products up to 18 months in advance. Amazing. I'm already loving this new feature. Kevin, I mean, I'm sure that you could talk for hours of things I don't know about that you do know, but tell me something I don't know. Well, we've spent a lot of time talking today about online retail, one of the things I'd like to mention is manufacturing. Um, we've done some work that for every billion pounds invested in manufacturing processes, that creates a need for an, an additional 175,000 square feet of warehouse space. So if we're starting to talk about bringing back manufacturing to Europe, away from China, what you're going to see is a ripple effect for the demand of warehouse space so it's not just about online retail marcus tell me something i don't know i suppose i have more time to think about it as well so it piles the pressure on but i think one of my favorite stats is that rent is still only five percent of supply chain costs and i think it's really important to remember that because when we talk about rental growth you only have to look at the damage that rental growth has done to real estate retail investments, um, where ultimately the tenants turn around and said, well, we can't afford this, to realise that we're not in the same predicament as we are or likely going to be faced with in the logistics market. As Alina said, if you can save 1% on your transport costs, it's an extra 15 to 20% you can afford on your rent. So the importance of locations, the importance of getting those warehouses right means that tenants are willing to pay more for them. And I think that's a really important stat to remember as we kind of look towards rental growth coming through in all the markets. 
Thank you all so much for that. Thank you for your time and thank you uh, for your wisdom. Uh, that's it for this episode of Real Estate Insights. If you want to delve deeper into this topic, there's plenty more. I mean, I'm really plenty more on the research section of the Savills website, savills.co.uk slash research. You'll find the European Logistics Property Census 2021 there, obviously, and there's loads in that. And also the European Logistics Outlook Report is there as well. In the meantime, thank you very much for listening. See you next time. This podcast is for general information only and should not be considered professional advice. Savills accepts no liability or responsibility for any direct, indirect or consequential loss arising from the use of, reference to or reliance on this podcast or its content. Savills makes no warranty as to the accuracy of the information in this podcast. This podcast and all copyright in this podcast is the property of Savills and it shall not be used, reproduced or quoted in whole or in part without Savills' prior written consent.